everybody, and welcome to the Five Star Podcast, a podcast from two guys who are preparing to spend the next three months in the bubble down in Orlando, um, and sometimes are watching movies. I'm Ryan Hurley, and I'm here with my co-host. Sam Wolfcool, very very excited for the flight with no one on it down. Yeah, you know, I'm just really looking forward to the uh, two weeks of isolation, as if I haven't gotten enough isolation as it is. (laughs) <laughs> watch some more exactly you know you know what i like on top of my quarantine just more quarantine <laughs> i could use some more quarantine we're, we're probably headed that way uh where I yeah am. we're we're not even we're not even out of it yet here so you oh, know you're missing out i'm just strapped in for the long haul i don't even get the open patios or anything like that <laughs> poor guy you got to move. Go to, like, Montana. They probably don't even have it there. That's yet. true. I can uh, I can be like our friend Ton and just live in Missouri where things are just uh, uh, normal, apparently, according to him. It doesn't exist yeah. there. But it's not happening if you don't, uh, don't choose to uh, acknowledge it, right? Can't get pregnant if you don't get exactly. tested. Exactly. I don't have cancer if the doctor doesn't tell me, right? Nope, you're just dying yeah. slowly is what it is. <laughs> It was natural causes. It was natural causes. <laughs> well, we're not doctors. We're movie watchers. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about mainly on this podcast. Um, the big uh, thing that we're going to be addressing today was we had ourselves a little movie swap. Uh, I gave you the Umbrellas of Sheerborg, um, and you gave me the Red Shoes. Uh, ironically, we had not seen either of these movies, so it sort of defeats the purpose of a movie swap. But I think it was worthwhile anyway. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to start off like we normally do. Uh, what is the best thing you watched in the last week here? So probably not the best thing I've watched in the last week. But where I'm currently living, it's safe to go to the theater. Honestly, it's one of the safer things you can do. <laughs> because no one's at the movie theater anyway. And you're so far away from people as it is. That like it's honestly like safer than going to the store. And... Uh, we went and saw Never Really, Sometimes Always, which was this movie about this girl who found out she was pregnant at 17. And this wasn't really like said, but it was like very obvious she was living in like a pro-life, like small town in Pennsylvania. So her and her cousin took a, a train in New York City to try to find someone who could do the abortion there and it's just kind of like a, a super indie movie about like her kind of like coming to terms with what her life's been like and trying to get this abortion and uh her and her cousins like little adventure as they're in new york city it's like a really good movie of uh, kind of a devastating movie in a lot of ways but um it's kind of nice when you see like those like christian propaganda movies and then you see this and they're kind of the opposite of each other and like even like you can just look at both of them and be like one of these movies is definitely being a lot more responsible with what it's doing. And that's never really sometimes <laughs> always. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta ask you, uh, how did it feel to be back in the theater, uh, back out and about? Uh, it was nice. It was, uh, there was no one around us set up in the corner. Uh, I kept my mask on the whole time out of, I don't know. It was kind of nice having them. I have a very loose mask right now. My mom made me. So that was kind of nice. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, 
I liked it because one of the more recent times I gone to the theater was it was like packed and everyone left it a mess. So it was kind of cool. Kind of felt like I was there alone. <laughs> were Were you the only ones in the theater? Were there a couple of other people or just? There was another group of people next to us. And I know like when we bought our tickets, there were more, but I didn't see anybody else. But there were a lot of people. They didn't require masks, which was a little sketchy. But I was I think we were able to stay away from enough people where uh, where nothing bad happened. I think, too, if you kept your mask on, you don't have to worry too much. According to my roommates, AMC said that they're not uh, requiring a mask because, quote, it's too political, which uh, I just want to come out and say on this podcast, if you're listening and you're questioning it, uh, wear the mask. It's not political. It's safe. It's the right thing to do. AM, uh, AMC is really just full of bad takes. This whole uh, this whole quarantine. Yeah, seriously, they're uh, <laughs> they're not winning the quarantine, and not at all. Unlike Netflix. Uh, no, Netflix is doing well. I don't watch anything. I've not watched like a single like new Netflix movie lately. I'm still waiting on The Five Bloods. I don't know what I'm waiting. For. Well, I'm waiting for the time. We have too many long-ass movies for this next uh, Oscars. Yeah, true. That I have to get through. This is going to be a grind on our next Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What have you? Uh, what's the best thing you watched lately? So uh, this past week, I have been deciding to try and make more use of my Criterion Channel uh, subscription. So I watched the movie Good Morning from 1959 um, from d- director uh, and. I'm, Forgive me if I get this wrong. Uh, Yashuhiro Ozu. Uh, And it's a really uh, nice looking color film um, about two two young boys who their only want in the world is to get a TV uh, and their parents don't want to give it to them. So they decide to stop talking. Uh, And it's sort of like about... Um, not only like the trouble that like these little kids get up to uh, in in Japan, um, but also like sort of about the like whole keeping up with the Joneses sort of thing uh, in uh, in Japanese culture. And it's uh, really funny, and it has a shocking amount of fart jokes, and they're actually genuinely funny. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> the kids like do this thing where they. It, like they have like a, a English teacher that, or like a guy that's teaching them how to speak English and like push on their head. And then when he does it, they fart. And there's this like recurring joke where this one kid uh, keeps trying to do it, but uh, fails and keeps shitting his pants instead. And I can't tell you like how dumb that sounds like me saying it, but I was laughing so hard every time it would happen. <laughs> it was it was weird like thinking about that watching a Criterion movie though. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a fun movie though. I recommend it. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was a good week. Good week for movies, I think. Uh at least just at home here. Um do you want to hit us with a quick question? So, we decided uh to ask what's the biggest pet peeve you have? in a movie so like when you watch a movie and they're doing these couple things what what really gets you so i i have many as i'm sure you have um uh, to name a few bad covers of of good pop songs like uh, mm. i'm thinking of uh recently there was a, a like a slew of bad covers of this of the james brown song uh it's a man's 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 world 
one of which is in uh, Birds of Prey, and then the other is at the beginning of the kitchen. And I swear to God, like I'm shocked I didn't have like a heart attack just from hearing those. That just it just really goes over poorly every time. Just just pay for the real thing if you want to use the song. Just just pay for the real thing. It it's always so much better every time. Um, and then I hate. So I like dramas and like romance movies and things like that, but I hate the really like overly sentimental uh, or like overly dramatic lines. Like just some of the stuff um, in art uh, over the last couple of weeks, I watched Artemis Fowl. There's some definite lines in there too, where you're just like, Oh no. Those are the two that jumped out to me though. Uh, what, what are some of yours? <laughs> Um, I normally hate when there's narration, just like in general, I don't really like narration just because it's like, just tell, just like have a movie, just like show me it happening. If you, if you really think it needs to be explained, maybe it doesn't need to be there. Um, I also hate like when people are fighting in a movie and it's like really obvious that no one's getting hit. It's like maybe just get someone from the WWE in there to show you how to how it's done. That always bugs me. I don't know. I want to <laughs> see some people fighting for real. No, I'm with you um, for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else bothers me. I don't like when movies are like too loud. Just loud. Mm-hmm. Just like really, really loud, and like the volume. I have to sit there and just turn it up and turn it down a lot. And I'm like, just figure, just give me one volume. Yeah. Event, Marvel movies are really bad about that. Yeah. Any sort of like action movie nowadays is, is just awful in that like regard where it's like, mm-hmm. they're, they're talking really low like this. And then, and then there's an explosion through the wall and all your neighbors are awake and the car alarm's going off and the dog <laughs> across the alley is barking. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, stop! I also hate Ooh. Um, the cut from the cut from uh, quiet scene to loud sex scene as well. Never good to have that either. I always hate that. <laughs> like I was watching the She's Got to Have It uh, series on Netflix, and that happened. And like, genuinely, I had to like apologize to my roommate uh, the next morning because I was like, I promise. That was not pornography. That was just the TV show I'm watching being really loud. It was pornography. Yeah. Okay, I just I got that part written down. There you go. Uh, the one the one other thing I hate is uh, I really hate when there's like a nice movie going on and you don't really know how it's going to end, but then you suddenly start to realize that they're going to force the main character to end with the girl, even if it really doesn't make any sense for them to end up together. As good as it gets is the one that really gets me where a hundred million year old Jack Nicholson ends up with Helen Hunt. I don't know. All the, all, is that who it is? Yeah, that's that, Helen Hunt. You, know, you got it. You know, if I, you know, if I had been watching Success, then I would have said Holly. Hunt. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Both are great. I, I do love Helen Hunt and Holly Hunter, but you were right. <laughs> Helen Hunt. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I try not to, uh, I try not to have too many pet peeves because if I have too many, then I'm going to find it in every single movie. And I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Movies that are 15 minutes too long. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a collective pet peeve is just any movie that is too long, you and I both just, like, immediately rip it. 
I already got a movie for next week that's like a very obvious 15, 20 minutes too long. I don't know what I cut, but like there's got to be something <laughs> in the middle that's just gone. You can certainly take something out. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You ready to get into our, our movie swap here? Born. was born ready for uh, talk about the Umbrellas. Yeah, so we're starting with the Umbrellas of Sheerborg. Um, from the year, uh, 1964, directed by Jacques Demy, uh, starring Catherine, uh, Deneuve as Genevieve Emery, uh, and Nino Castelnuevo as Guy Foucher. Uh, what did you, Guy? <laughs> My boy Guy. What did you think of this movie? <laughs> um, I didn't really like it. I, uh. I couldn't really stand. I think for me, like the movie opened with like that whole car scene and they were like singing and I was like, oh, are we about to have like a nice like grease lightning scene right here? And then it kind of occurred to me that they were just going to be uh, singing like every line of dialogue. And that really took me out of it because I just don't think, I think you could have told the story just as well with some talking in there. But uh, overall, I thought the story was pretty nice. Like I thought it was like a nice... uh, like a nice story. It was like, I kind of like the different beats they were hitting along the way. Even though the one thing that bothered me is some of the scenes were really long because they were singing every single line. Uh, and I, uh, I did, uh, I did kind of enjoy the ending, even though knowing that La La Land was uh, like inspired by this movie, I was like, I definitely know how this is going to end. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a movie I'm happy I saw. I mean, in the end. I will say, I think uh, the, the parallels between La La Land um, should be more of a knock on that movie than this movie. You know, this this was, uh, you know, 50 years before. Well, it wasn't really a knock. It was just more that, like, I knew how it was going to end. Yeah, that makes Which sense. Which didn't bother me in any way. I know how plenty of movies are going to end that I haven't even seen. It's true. It's true. Did it, so it, did it throw you off that there was no, like... Uh, big choreographed dance numbers or uh, like traditional like show tune style songs sort of like uh, you know like singing in the rain is the first one that pops to mind uh, I think it did a little bit just because I was expecting like a musical in terms of like there being some like dancing some like some singing um, like a lot like a lot of singing not, not just like singing the, like not like singing the dialogue to each other it definitely was surprising and probably about halfway through, I just kind of was like, whatever, I'm over it. But it was kind of hard for me to get over it. Cause suddenly I was like, well, now it's in French. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what's being said every time. It was just like hard to get past it. But, uh, but, uh, I don't know. I think it would have been cool to have like, a like a dance number, utilize some of the scenery. Cause the, the movie had such like good, like scenery and things going on around it. Like I remember there was that scene where, her and her mom were talking about something and in the background uh there was like there was a lot of stuff going on in the street and i think it would have been cool if they utilized more of like what else was going on in this movie that's a good point i mean i do like so as somebody that's not like a fan of i guess like the type of of musicals we see like a lot or that are like most famous sort of in our age and uh you know in america or whatever I did like sort of like the difference between like uh, them not really like singing uh, your typical like songs that you'd hear at like a Broadway show or something like that, you know, like it did take me a second to like get into 
uh, the way that they were singing every line. But then like kind of once I got into it, I felt like I got over that like sort of hump. And then I was able to like really get into the story. I don't know. It was, I guess, since I'm just not a big musicals guy, it was like easier for me to get over that hump than like uh, listening to a whole bunch of songs where they are like explicitly telling me how to feel, if that makes sense. I don't know if, I don't know if you felt similar or not or had, had a disagreement to that. <laughs> I just, I guess, I guess I just wasn't really expecting it. And then it just got a little, it was just kind of annoying that they were just like <laughs> singing like basic dialogue to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I didn't fully understand why some of it couldn't have been. I think it would have, I think for me, it would have been like, it was hard to understand like what was supposed to be like the really important parts going on when they were singing everything in the exact same tone. Mm-hmm. So if like parts, that's why I think musicals kind of work for me because like if they're singing, I feel like it's important and I'm like, okay, this is where I really have to be like, okay, what's going on? And when they're talking, it's like, normally it's just like whatever, which is definitely a big detriment on musicals like that where they don't keep you in tune the whole time. But uh, this one, I, I just couldn't fully get into it. I don't think, but I, I definitely about, I think, I think, uh, trying to think of the part I like loved. It was either at the end of part, it was at the end of part two, the absence, it was the end of part two, where uh, she like got married. And that was like the very first moment of the whole movie. I noticed that the score was really good. Mm-hmm. And it was like bumping in the background. And I was like, There's, like, that was really, that was like a powerful, like, whoa, she's married now scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the movie, so I think one of the strengths of it is that like the music in the background, you know, like the singing over it is not necessarily like, you know, like you would think of like a verse co- bridge chorus, you know, that sort of thing. But like the, the like sort of instruments behind a lot of the like singing of the dialogue, I really liked it's that sort of like kind of like jazzy type of thing. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It sounded really good. And then I think like, not having those big musical numbers did allow the, the, the film to sort of have like, sort of like you said, like a quiet moment like that, where I, I don't really think they're like saying much in that scene, if I remember correctly. And that they're sort of just like listening to the music. I felt like that wasn't something you normally see in, a, in like a musical, because normally they feel the need to sing that emotion at you, I guess. Um, but yeah. The, the like backing music is really great. I, I definitely agree with that. Also, uh, the, the movie is just really beautiful to look at too. Like, did you uh, love the colors and like sort of the costuming and the, and the set design as much as I did? <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably the second best colors that we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, no, it definitely was like striking. Uh, like everyone was striking, like every single detail on everybody was like, right like right there in your face like i loved uh, all the different sets like the, the the auto shop the umbrellas um um that like four post bed that gi or guy's mom was dying in mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i i thought the i thought the colors were fantastic i uh, we were talking last night about how there's just something about like early technicolor that was really just special yeah like i don't know what I don't know, like, if it's something to do with, like, the film or, like, the, like, color processing or what, but, like, the colors just look so good in this movie. Like, the thing that pops to me 
it, in my mind was like a geese like bedroom that's all like all like this pastel blue color or like the the mom's umbrella shop which is really like pink and vibrant they just all like pop so well uh, uh me and my roommate who were watching this movie uh kept joking that like the outfits on every person were so good that it was like the the drip like never takes a back seat for these for these characters for a moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought everyone's like hair really stuck out. That I don't know what that was for me. Like her like yellow blonde. Yeah, it really did. Like I, cause especially because you don't see many other characters like in the movie that sort of have that like look look to them. I guess too. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing that I wanted to ask you about, we'll get start getting a little bit more into the plot here. So obviously, it sort of opens with Guy and Genevieve. Uh, and they're they're dating, they're in love, they want to get married, and then Guy has to go to the military for two years. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh, Hate when that happens. Guy. Hate when that happens. Damn it, Guy! Guy. Uh, get out of there. And, uh, and uh, so I'm. This is a very like curb your enthusiasm type question. What? How? How long does Gen VF have to wait? Does she got to wait the whole two years? Did she did she wait long enough? How long did she actually wait? Like, what was the time passage? Oh, do you know what they were telling us? And I was getting a little confused. One of the one of the months like got me. I'm like, what month is that? <laughs> but uh, I I don't think she has to. I don't think she has to wait. the The movie made it seem like they were together for not like in a super long time. I, I feel like she could probably, if she really loved uh, that one guy. That that her Me mom so that her mom was all about. Uh, first off, the mom should have just married him if she was that obsessed with him. But uh, I, I I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe maybe. Uh, okay, maybe this is me not paying enough attention. Did she know how long he was going to be gone? Uh, Genevieve. Yeah. Yeah, she did. It was like two years. Oh. Two years. Oh, then if you're in love, you gotta wait. You think so? You wait the yeah. whole two? Oh, you gotta wait. If you're in love with the guy and you know you know you have like a date, like he's coming back this date, you gotta wait. <laughs> but what if he died? And he was writing so sparingly. Oh, not Guy. Guy would never die. Guy's a kind-hearted hearted young man. Guy, uh, <laughs> Guy knows a thing or two about staying alive. I, <laughs> Guy's a survivor. If yes. there's one thing he learned in that mechanic shop, it's how to survive in the war. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> So you would have waited the whole two years. You wouldn't have. Uh... If I loved her, like if I actually like loved Genevieve, yes, I would have. Or Genevieve loved Guy, I would have waited two years for sure. <laughs> okay, I can't blame you for that. I figured figured that's a good place to start, though. <laughs> yeah. So we mentioned Genevieve's mom. Uh, boy, was she just like being all too much in this movie, or what? Like she was, she was single-mindedly focused on getting her daughter hitched. You know, I think instead of marrying her daughter off for money, here's an idea. Maybe just don't have family arguments in your umbrella shop and actually try to sell some umbrellas. Uh, you, maybe, maybe sell other appliances like umbrellas. Maybe you could sell some, uh, you know, some, some garden gloves. Maybe you could sell rubber boots for the rain, you know? What kind instead of margin? Of, you know, just, do you think you're getting on an umbrella? Like, I mean, 
what can you really sell an umbrella at to get like uh, to make a profit? Seriously, like, and I, you know, I think I think Genevieve's mom is just blaming her for her own bad business decisions leading up up to this thing. Yeah, it must have been cheap to have a uh, cheap to pay rent those days. Seriously. I got a question for you. Have you ever even seen an umbrellas only shop? Just umbrellas? That sounds like some shit you would see in like a little like touristy town. So no, I have not. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I haven't personally seen one either. I saw that and I was like, I, I literally had to take a beat and I was like, they're they're just selling umbrellas. That's it. Just umbrellas. It's a simple movie. It is what it is. <laughs> That's true. It's more about the love story anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm going too far into it. Um, and then, so, so Genevieve, uh, just to keep hammering on her here, uh, like, did, did watching her, like, act this way sort of, like, make you angry? Because I, I, I know I was sitting there and I was just like, leave the poor girl alone, especially when she was pregnant. I feel like if I ever got to a certain point, my mother would be, like, passive-aggressively being on me the whole time so i definitely like was not shocked by uh by by her act by how she was being and i feel like that was kind of a trope of like early like 50s 60s movies where it's just like girls got to get married now before it's too late it's like she's 17 years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you're sitting there and it's i guess maybe it's like very 2020 to look back on this thing and be and just be like, let her be, let her do what she wants. <laughs> but I was like, Jesus. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and it's funny because the because the mom had this stupid umbrella shop. Maybe she should have. I don't know. Anything else? Maybe she should have got married. Well, she was apparently married at one yeah. point to Genevieve. Yeah, exactly. They even like mentioned the dad a little bit, and like <laughs> how like it did the relationship didn't end well with the dad. Even though, like, apparently she married the dad for not, like, all the right reasons, apparently. Now I sound like a reality show contestant. Uh, um, and But so, like, now the mom wants her daughter to make the same mistake. It's very weird watching it. I was like, come on, didn't you learn anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about Guy a little bit here. Um, did you feel bad for him coming back from the war? Genevieve's not just broken up with him, she's just gone. Uh, I don't know. Genevieve's a little bit of a fox, and he definitely knew that... I mean, he, he knew from the tone of the letters that uh, that it wasn't going well. <laughs> Guy's a man of the people. He'd come back. He, he should have bounced back better than he did. That's true. Guy does get quite moody. He gets fired from his job as a mechanic at the garage. Guy... That's so cliche. He works at the garage. I know. I sort of <laughs> love that, though. I thought that was great. The, the the mom just really hated that he worked at the garage, too. And I was like, oh, let Guy be. It's like, what do you want Guy to do? Run an umbrella shop? Run an umbrella shop? Yeah, seriously. He's going to uh, – He should have. she wanted him to just uh, open up a haberdashery next door and just sell, like, men's ties and <laughs> – Top hats and things like that. Just sharp black ties. Yeah, <laughs> only black ties. <laughs> only black ties. This is our this is our jet bat black. Of course, that's our matte black over there. Um, sorry, I'm going into like a little scene now. Um, okay, who do you think is a better fit for Guy? Do you think it was Genevieve, or do you think it's 
Madeline, the neighbor that sort of stays and helps his godmother as he's away. Well, I thought Madeline was his sister for like long portions of this movie. Even when it ended, I was like, hmm, glad the kid turned out okay. But <laughs> but uh, uh, knowing it's the neighbor, um, I don't know. I think I think Madeline's a good fit. Gen Gen Viev, uh just wasn't meant to be. I guess I, I think I think Guy needed to make the choice that apparently was easiest for him, which was Madeline. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not shining that relationship in a very bright light. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, she was the only girl there. We met. We met three women in the movie. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I guess four if you count count Guy's uh, uh, godmother, or I think she's his godmother. Gee, love that name. Name my child Guy. Guy. I I I love reading it as as an American and being like. Oh, that's Guy. His name's yeah. Guy. And I'm watching the movie, and they're calling him Guy, and I'm like, I think it's pronounced Guy. It definitely, Shit. It definitely took me a while to figure out. I was like, oh, oh, his name's Guy. Alonzo but, Guy. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I, I definitely, like, uh, uh, was calling them Guy and Genevieve, Genevieve in my head. And then, like, there was a part where it was like, Guy, Genevieve. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Okay, that's how you say their names. <laughs> I don't know if you had the same moment or not. It might have been the same moment. I I, uh, I definitely was surprised. I was like, Gee. good name. Um, so uh, Guy takes many L's when he comes back, gets back on his feet, um, fixes up that auto shop. That was a pretty nice looking auto shop, wasn't it? I feel like I would definitely take my car there should I break down and in Schuborg. I don't know. I mean, if you uh, if you take your car there, Guy's could have messed something up and yell at you. That's true. Yeah, he really <laughs> fucked up bad at his job when he quit. By the way, my favorite part of that whole scene was like the uh, the nineteen sixties outlook of being like, "I'm gonna quit my job at twenty three and live off my pension." It's like none of us even have pensions anymore yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, I will never have a pension. <laughs> No, I I, uh, I can't imagine unless I go work for the government. I don't ever see myself having a much of a pension. I'll have like a four hundred one k, but uh, I won't have that like nice pension. My my only shot at getting a pension is if I up and decide to like become a mailman in the next few years or something like that. You just got to get yourself in like a in like a TV show that's syndicated, and there's your pension. There we go. I would love that. <laughs> oh, I would love that syndication money. <laughs> um so uh i guess we'll just sort of talk about the end of the movie here and then we can uh, get to the red shoes um but obviously uh it's re- it's revealed that genevieve is pregnant and then um you know monsieur cassad uh raises their daughter with them um and of course they name uh genevieve and guy both have separate children and they both name them uh francois uh, and then there's that moment at the end of the movie um, where Guy sees Genevieve at his garage and then uh, his daughter is in the car with her and he decides not to meet her. Um, do you think he should have met his daughter or do you think it's a good call for him to sort of stay distant? I think I think for like the, the benefit of Guy, 
And even and I think the benefit for everybody involved, except maybe Jen Viev, I think it was best that he didn't meet her. Because I feel like then maybe he would feel some sort of like uh, responsibility when he never really had the chance to, you know, have the responsibility. And then like the poor daughter would be all confused, I think, too. And then Madeline would be upset and their daughter would be upset. Yeah. I, just, I think it was the right move. I, I, I hope to never be in a similar situation, but I think this was the right way to handle it. Yeah, like maybe it's maybe I'm thinking of, thinking of this in sort of like a selfish sort of way or something, but like I feel like it had I feel like it just would have caused more confusion in that kid's life if he would have Definitely. gone out there and said something. Uh, and, and like you said too, that would really like like there's no prospect of him like helping that kid out or anything like that. So just like to what ends would would him meeting that child have, you know? I agree. I completely agree. Uh, did that ending make you, like, just really distraught and upset? Because I know, I, I think since I was in the, into the movie a little bit more, I was, I was like, that movie ended, I was like, oh, shit. I can't believe that that's how they're ending it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if I was distraught or just kind of like, I was like, oh my gosh, they're meeting one last, they're meeting again. And then it kind of seemed like everyone was pretty content with their lives at the end, which I, I think I appreciated. I might have interpreted that wrong, but uh it was it was a uh, it was a it was a good ending. Like yeah. it was like a strong way to end the movie. I was happy they like met again because I like felt like it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean I think it's a good way to like end the movie just as far as like, you know, like the writing of a movie goes, but I definitely also like their performances. Like, uh, um, because I, I, I think like on the surface, they sort of have that like, uh, look of like being very content. But I think if you watch the actors, like they seem like they're hiding a lot, like under the surface, if that makes sense. Like Guy almost seems like sort of pissed off. And then I don't know, like I, and maybe it's just me, but like Genevieve like looked like, almost on the brink of like getting emotional at certain points in the scene or something. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I, I really like that. I scene. bet you're right. I bet you're right. I, I guess I, Oh God, there's a giant spider in here. Oh my God. So big. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I agree. It was a good, it was a well-performed uh, ending and uh, it was like a strong, like, Whoa, it's done. I was, mm-hmm. was kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Very- it ended how it had to end. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a very, like, French ending, but I think it works really well for the film. I do think, like, so I, I mentioned last week um, when we were talking about Moulin Rouge that I really hate um, musicals that have, like, uh, musicals that, that have sort of, like, a generic story but are, um, you know, sort of trying to, like, cover that up with just, like, a... <laughs> they're sort of just trying to cover that up with like musical numbers and things like that. And um, I liked the story of this movie a lot. And I just sort of liked the, that I hadn't really like watched a story like this before. As you said, there's sort of similarities like La La Land. But I even think uh, between the two that there's some differences be- uh, between them uh, that I appreciated. So I really liked that aspect of this movie as well. <laughs> Body count of this episode, one spider. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Spider. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was I going to say? Yeah. 
I think this story definitely benefited from not having to have uh, big elaborate dance numbers. I think I think you make a make a good point that they could just focus on the story. Mm-hmm. But uh, wish they would have talked a little more. Yeah. For uh, for your boy here. <laughs> well, I think we've uh, I think we could put a pin in umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh Should we move on to the red shoes? Where'd that spider come from? I don't want to sleep in here tonight. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's move on to the the red shoes directed by uh, directed by a group of people I learned is called the Archers. I did some reading on this, and apparently they directed like a bunch of movies around this time. Another famous one is called The Black Narcissus. Yep, mm-hmm. Narcissus. Uh, so it's directed by Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell, uh, and uh, starred Maura Shear. Oh boy. Adolf Woolbrook and Marius Goring are the top three people on Letterboxd. Morshear is actually a ballerina. And I think that's going to be my first question for you. Is uh, So this movie featured a lot of dancing. Do you think there was a benefit from uh, it actually being a real like ballerina, dancer, ballet person? playing the lead role so they didn't have to like fake it Mm -hmm. i definitely i definitely think that that was like a good choice because um so even though this isn't like a a movie musical um it sort of you know has like some aspects of it as far as like the dancing and the choreography and the costuming um sort of being able to be stylized like that and uh i think you know like if you watch like la la land people really fucking rip on Gosling and Stone for not being great dancers, even though, you know, they were hired to be actors. And I, I don't think you can like, you certainly can't like levy that sort of claim um, at this movie because like, I mean, I don't know shit about dancing, but it, it's pretty like technically uh, impressive, at least to my like novice amateur eye. Um, and like, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot, but like it's, it's sort of the dancing in, the like climactic scene in the middle or the, the scene in the middle that where you see the, the titular play or the titular uh, ballet is like really mesmerizing because it's done so well. Um, so that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, uh, me and my, me and my roommate both turned to each other and just went like, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> the, so, so, so like, the middle, like it's like it was like this fifteen minutes right in the middle of the movie. They just showed the red shoes, and the one, there were a lot of things that stood out to me about that whole scene. But the one thing that blew my mind is, is there anything else in this world that you need to have as much like energy to be able to do than dance? In the like, she like she did not stop dancing for fifteen minutes. Yeah, seriously, she just moved for fifteen minutes. I was like, how are you in that good of shape? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, uh, as I as I cough through my answer here, showing how bad of shape I'm in, uh, I certainly couldn't do that. And like the the like precision of um of like the dance moves, at least like from the way that they talk about it, and like having to be so on beat with like live music is really impressive too. And obviously, you know, like it's a movie, so they didn't necessarily do all the stuff live, but like uh, it, it, the thought of actually having to watch somebody like perform that ballet and do the, the whole thing, like basically on their own is really impressive to think about. 
I uh, it's funny you brought up like the live music. I love I love the scene where it's right after like the orchestra director and uh, Vicky got like an argument about like the dance scene, <laughs> and Vicky's in the dressing room getting ready, and the orchestra guy comes in and goes. I'll play the music to your dancing. And she's just like, what? Yeah. We just had, she, she looks shocked. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious too. Like the whole time, like the whole lead up, they're like, no, it's a downbeat and then you go. It's not too fast. And they're like arguing and arguing and then I know it's like, I'll go at every speed you want. The, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what parts you stood out the most about the ballet, but, uh, what about like the newspaper dancing near the end of the uh, ballet? That was because uh, if they did that now, it would have been some like shitty ass CGI. And instead, they had to like get creative and figure out how to get like this wiring newspaper thing to dance and make it look natural. I sort of like too how they they stage it in such a way where they can kind of like match a cut, and the newspaper like turns into a person. And then they're dancing with their mm-hmm. promo. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. It sort of it sort of makes me think about too like. So there's so many like hidden little like cuts that they do or, or, you know, not necessarily hidden, but just like little cuts that they do that are like maybe not making the scene seem like realistic to like a live dance piece, but like put you in the headspace of the characters. Like uh, when she like jumps into the red shoes and they're just automatically on. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. (laughs) Did it hurt the rest of the film at all for you, more or less knowing how it was going to end after you saw the ballet? Did you feel like you knew how it was going to end from that, or did you just kind of forget about it? Because I kind of forgot about it. It was <laughs> I'm like, not gonna lie. I sort of, uh, you know, like, the, the initial reaction to that is just kind of going like, oh, wow, that was incredible. Uh, and then... Um, as, as I sort of, like, as, as we were getting closer to the end of the movie... Uh, and and uh, he's trying to like, once he like retires the red shoes play, and I'm like, you know, like I'm sitting there thinking like, oh well, that's gonna come back. Uh, and then as we're getting closer, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is it didn't factor into my mind until we started getting closer to the end, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely gonna come back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the themes of that are definitely gonna come back, <laughs> and then they do. Yeah, I I uh, I really like that play. Like, I wonder if uh, I wonder if they actually like still do that ballet. Like, if that was ever like being done somewhere. I wonder too, like if, um, like if the music that they use in this movie is used in like actual stage versions of this of the show or not. I don't know. I wonder that too. So okay, I'll get to some questions instead of just talking. Do you think there are any villains in this movie? Um, I kind of think, uh, oh, I'm going to look up his name here on IMDb. Um, Boris, Boris Lermontov. Uh, her, her teacher? Yeah. Like the, not teacher, the, the strong like, word. guy. Um, yeah. He seems a little villainous to me. He's a little, he's a little morally, uh, uh, corrupt. I don't know. I don't understand what his, uh, uh, obsession is with, Making sure that his lead actresses do not, or lead lead dancers do not fall in love. Yeah, I I think that part wasn't fully fleshed out, which I think hurt the movie like a little bit for me, just because I was like, I don't 
fully get it, but like at the same time, I was like, oh, I get it. Because if you're focused on like love, you want to spend time with that person. And that time you're spending with that person means you can't be dancing. But like throughout the film, I like, he started off for me as like a villain. And then I like, then like the more of him that we saw, it was like, no, like he just wants her to like be her best dancer that she can possibly be. But at the same time, you're right. There was a little bit of like, he's totally in this for himself. And he just knows that with Vicky, he's at his best. But at the same time, there was also that part of me that kind of felt like, this might not be like a great insight, but it kind of seemed like they were like, what's the word looking for here? Like there was that one dancer who was like his like favorite and then she got married and then he found Vicky right away. I don't understand why he couldn't just find like another dancer and be like bye vicky which he did at one point because he like was writing the letter and ripped it yeah up. yeah i i i think it's funny that we're mentioning the mentioning the movies of damien chazelle so much here or at least i am um because he is sort of like a a fletcher-esque character from you know whiplash like jk simmons character in the sense that like he thinks that um he thinks that like you need this like almost like possessed like uh, uh, obsession with your craft mm-hmm. in order to be great, which is both somewhat true and also not like entirely accurate, you know? Uh, like you certainly need to love what you're doing in order to be great at something, but at least I personally feel like there's uh, always like space in people's lives for them to be actual human beings too you know (laughs) yeah i don't think you have to like uh make concessions as a like regular human being in order to do that so that made him seem sort of villainous to me maybe it was just me like feeling like put upon for the character or something yeah yeah i know i I, uh i'm with you i think i think that's one of the like tougher topics of this movie where you could like write essays both ways on how he's a villain and how he's not a villain and it's kind of amazing that the writers of and the directors of this movie were able to get such a nuanced character out of like the villain which was cool yeah like i i I don't remember i don't remember who said this but like one screenwriter has said that like the best way to write um like a villain is to is to write them as if they're like making their case to the devil or whatever and i feel like this guy is like sort of a good example of that where it's like he's like i was doing these bad things but to make her great and like that sort of thing like pleading his case in a way i don't know i like that about him though i thought that made him an interesting character i agree uh my questions are not great here uh do you enjoy the colors in the movie? We we talked about that a little bit with uh, uh, Berg. Did you enjoy the colors of this one too? Or I guess beyond the colors, what this movie benefited from uh, is, I think it was shot, I looked it up today, it was like Monaco, Paris, and London. So how much of a benefit do you think the, you know, just the built-in cinematography was? Yeah, certainly, like, the all the locations look really nice. I think the... Um... I think the like um, setting of like them doing this as like a ballet as opposed to it like uh, being like a play or something like that, uh, I think also was nice. I sort of liked, yeah, I liked the the costuming and the use of colors and sort of the way that like uh, once once again, this is another another movie where the like drip never takes a back seat. 
Like, uh, Lermontov's, like, the way he dresses is really, like, crazy and cool to look at in this movie. And uh, same with, uh, same with uh, Craster and, and Vicky. Uh, and, like, just the way that they, some of the costuming becomes really creative when you're, uh, when they're on the stage. You know, like you said, like, with the newspaper people or, like, uh, the way that people are sort of, like, costumed and the way that they look. Um, when they're all like crowding around her and things like that. I thought that all just like looked really, really cool in this movie. And it uh, really like aged, aged really well. Cause you know, you can see it's all there. There's a lot about this movie that aged really well. Just like this movie was 72 years ago and it could have come out. Maybe not like yesterday, but I feel like it could have come out in the last few years and it wouldn't like shock me with the story they're telling. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I even think oh, dude. do a really cool job of incorporating like old school film techniques. Like they have some like matte paintings in there, um, you know, where you can clearly see that like some of the set is painted. But they use it in almost like an interpretive way. Uh, so then it, it makes you feel like you're in the headspace of the character, which was really great. Really, mm-hmm. I, and Yeah, I just I love the look of this movie for sure. One of the reasons I picked this movie is because uh, Sean Fennessy and David Elric both gave it five stars on Letterboxd. And I was like, whoa, those are two guys that never give anything above like four stars. <laughs> and uh, wh- what do you think, what do you think draws like people who have seen thousands of films to this movie being one of the best? Oh man, that's so tough. Uh I mean, I think I think for all the things we've been been saying, you know, like uh, all of the the uh, all of the costuming, all of the like cinematography, the good music, um, the interesting characters, the interesting writing, uh, Powell and Pressburger's um, direction is really good. I I know that they, uh, I know that people are also big fans of of as you mentioned, black. Narcissus, I think this, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. But like, uh, I feel like this is sort of like a movie uh, in like a similar vein to like the good and the bad and the ugly, the good, the bad and the ugly in in the way that like you can see the talent of everybody involved in earlier things. And then you kind of get to this where clearly like a lot of money and time and care was put into it. And it just all shows up on screen. Uh, in a really fantastic way. So I feel like that's what draws people to it in a certain type of way. I could be totally wrong, though. (laughs) I also like the theme of it where it's just like someone who wants it all, but they're like not willing to risk it all. And like kind of like the, like it's like a timeless thing that's always going to exist where someone like wants it all, but they have like this family. Kind of like Hawkeye. He wants to be an Avenger, but he's got this kid. Ah. <laughs> exactly like Hawkeye. <laughs> this, this is basically the equivalent to the unwritten Hawkeye. This movie. is Hawkeye's solo movie. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think it's uh, so. We're obviously we're sports fans, <laughs> and anybody that's probably watching this is is a movie fan. I think a lot of people that are fans of both of those things are sort of obsessed with like greatness and what greatness is and how to achieve mm-hmm. that. And that is definitely like tackled in this movie in a really interesting way as well. So I, I, I think that also helps as well. I got, I got one more last bonus question before I get to these last two. All right. This is a tough one. 
Who would do a better job in each other's movies? Jeremy Renner as Vicky or Maura Shearer as Hawkeye? Oh, Maura as as Hawkeye. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think Maura is a more uh, <laughs> Maura is a more uh, uh, <laughs> a qualified Avenger than the Jeremy is. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I'd love to see Jeremy Renner and like those tight dancing pants, like practicing like one, two up. <laughs> I want to see Jeremy Renner like be the like uh, Lubov, the guy that's like uh, the dancing guy. The, the... <laughs> call him. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be the most emotion I've ever seen him have. That'd be amazing. I'd love to see that. So if they remade this. Uh... You, you know what, if it's easier for you, you don't have to do it if they remade it today. But it's kind of like at any point in the last like 20, 25 years that they had remade it, who would you have liked to have seen play the part of Vicky? Oh, man, that's so tough. Definitely got to be somebody that is a really great dancer. Um, wow, I don't even know if I can venture an answer for this question, honestly. Because there's so many... I think. I mean, like, the, the, the woman in this movie, I'd never heard of her before. I feel like that almost helps that, that uh, I haven't because I, she sort of, like, just seems like such a sen- out-of-nowhere sensation like she's in the movie. I think, for me, I would have made this movie, like, 20, 25 years ago. And I would have gone with, like, Gwyneth Paltrow. Because she can definitely dance a little bit because she was in Glee. She can definitely dance a little bit. Uh, and I think I think if this movie was made like in the 90s or 2000s, they would have definitely cast somebody who could act before they can dance. Mm-hmm. And they would have found some sort of way to stunt double it. Uh, I think this is a movie that hopefully never gets remade between you and me. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's a nice little moment. Oh, wait a minute. There's something called 2005, The Red Shoes. Oh, it's Korean. Probably not. Oh, oh. It's a Korean version of this movie. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Got a 5.8 on IMDb. That's uh, not, not a good that's time. my Bible, so it's not great. Oh, interesting. Anyway, uh, I just hope they never remake it in the end. But uh, I think it's always fun to dreamcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it is even funny to think about, like... Um... You know, even if they just made this in like the 60s or 50s or something like that, how much that might have changed who's in the movie. But I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for anything <laughs> in, in a, any realistic way. <laughs> I think my final question is like the, the other reason I picked this movie is because it like sounded and looked similar to Black Swan, which to quote Bill Simmons on this. Uh, I think if they made, if they wrote it, directed it, actors, if they made the move, a movie like Black Swan 20 times, I feel like what they got out of Black Swan, personally for me, is not one of like the best they could have done. I don't love, I like Black Swan. I don't love Black Swan. I think Natalie Portman is, that's another pet peeve. Whenever Natalie Portman shows up in a movie and it's just dropping this accent on you that blows your mind. <laughs> and she talks like she's 11 years old in Black Swan, which was kind of the point, but did this remind you of Black Swan in any way? Or was it just the fact that they were both about ballets? It sort of reminded me of Black Swan. I feel like Black Swan is darker and just like strictly in, in like a 
colors on screen sort of way, if that makes sense. Like it just looks darker and like, yeah. Um, so uh, Powell and Pressburger, uh, they certainly do a lot as far as like, uh, you know, putting you in the, in the, in the frame of, of Victoria page and in the, in the head of Victoria page. Uh, but uh, so truth be told, I'm just not a big Darren Aronofsky guy. Uh, so like, I feel like Black Swan wants to like bludgeon you over the head with the themes of the movie. And that just really annoys me yeah. about that movie. Like, uh, in, and that's sort of one thing I also don't like about Requiem for a Dream, even though we talked about that earlier. And I said that it's probably a better movie than Traffic uh, or is age better. That's still too, like, it just like wants to whack you over the head with like, drugs are bad. And, you know, this is like a Black Swan is sort of like, being great is tough. And it's like, you know, yeah. I, I, I think this is the, a better outcome than what Black Swan had, thankfully. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get like the, like the love for Black Swan. Like it's just got a four on Letterboxd, which is amazing for Letterboxd. And like, I remember I was super excited for it, and I watched it, and I was like, this is not at all what this really should have been. Uh, it, I agree with you. I, I didn't think about that at the time, but it really does like bludgeon its ideas into your head, which I think is why I didn't like it so much. Cause I never really felt like I could just like be in the movie. Yeah. Cause they were so busy just trying to be like, boom, boom, boom. But this also in a way is kind of like, it's kind of like the, let's say uh, the villain ish guy in this movie got his way. And she just focused on dancing. That's basically what you get with Natalie Portman's character. And it kind of was like, look at how that worked. Out. Yeah. Not great. Did she die at the end of that movie? That's a big, like. Yeah. She, what? She, like, stabs herself with a piece of glass. And then. Yeah. And then she, like, falls down. And she's like, I'm the black swan. It's like, it's like oh, my God. Okay, now. You don't have to kill yourself to be great. You know? <laughs> what, what does she sound like? I've seen. I've seen a lot of Natalie Portman movies and I don't even know what her voice is. I don't know what her, like she's a big accent person, which sometimes is really good. Like Jackie, I think is great, but uh, have you ever seen Vox Lux? No, I know that's on Hulu though. I It, uh, that movie's jarring. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you read the synopsis of that movie, it's basically like, uh, like a crazy moment early in her life, like sex course for her whole life. And the crazy moment in her life is, definitely like shocked and then the end of the movie is very like there's something that's said at the end of the movie that like kind of like makes you look back and be like oh i get this but uh it's still i didn't really like that movie i thought it was annoying nelly portman was obnoxious but anyway uh yeah her accents always kind of kill me in movies yeah it's certainly then like yeah in black swan in uh like star wars she talks really weird too uh yeah i don't yeah she was brutal in Star Wars. I, I, you know, I almost can't chalk that up to her. I, I just feel bad for her being in that. <laughs> I just love, like, the stories where it's, like, Natalie Portman's career was almost over, but George Lucas had to, like, call her and be like, no, 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 she's, like, a really good actress. And she is a really good actress. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. But uh, uh, there's definitely just, like, moments with her where you're just, like, maybe, maybe less of whatever Natalie Portman stuff you're doing and just... Act. Yeah, she she definitely has some like she's like a like a really like streaky NBA star, you know, where like it's like she'll she'll have the like the like 
weak. She's like Carmelo Anthony or something, where it's like mm. she'll have like have like she'll be averaging like twenty eight points a game, but on like on like a thirty win team, and you're like, oh man, you're you're great, I guess, but like I don't I don't know about some of your choices sometimes. This uh, that just like sparked an idea in my head. Have you ever like this might be a, a topic for a different show, but have you ever noticed how like all like the great actresses that we consider of like the last like twenty years, they like all have Oscars. Like she's got an Oscar, Kate Blanchett has an Oscar. Like all these like all these like really like famous like women all have their Oscars, which I think is cool because then like on the men's side, it took like Leo until like four years ago to get an Oscar, and Brad Pitt just got one. That, that's probably top for a different show. That's just like smart. I was thinking about that today. I do see what you mean, though. And like, I think so. We mentioned this a little bit with last Oscars thing, um, or last last Oscars uh, rank was that like sometimes the like female category is so like desolate and empty. So I feel like just when like you have some like a woman that like comes out and is really great in a movie like that, they're just immediately like. Boom, Oscar. There you go. You got it. Yeah. I feel like and this is like not meant to be like this is like this is based on what you're saying. I feel like men really have to like work for their Oscar. Like Joaquin Phoenix has been a really good actor in Hollywood for like twenty years and he just got an Oscar. And then you get like Emma Stone, who people love ripping on her performance in La La Land, but if you look at what she was up against, it was like it was basically just like we're gonna get Emma Stone an Oscar. Yeah. And Jay and Jennifer Lawrence got one really quick, and I don't know what the hell she's doing with her career. So it's just uh, it, it's it's different, and I don't know if there's like a wrong or right way to do it because it really is annoying that some of these guys have to like take so long. Where it's like, just give Leo his damn ass. Yeah, seriously. Like some of the some of the gatekeeping that like the Academy does is so fucking stupid. You know, like, I agree. Like that, even if you're doing like, so so Leo, right? He won for uh, uh, the Revenant. Which I, th- it, but like just the movie he did before that, which is The Wolf of Wall Street, which I feel like out and out should have been the one that he won for. Um, like, no questions asked. Like, we have to sit and, and, and like, even though that is a biopic, uh, and, and we still have to, but it's just sort of like breaking some of the conventions of a biopic and it's like satirical and it's, it's very like, stylized and then we have to like sit and watch Matthew McConaughey win which uh, he was great in Dallas Buyers Club but like we have to sit and watch like Matthew McConaughey win for a much more like conventional thing just because the academy like likes to just reward really conventional things is really frustrating to sit and watch all the time you know I uh that was a tough movie to get through. Like it's a good movie, it's just tough. I uh I didn't like Wolf of Wall Street that much the first time I watched it. I need to rewatch it. I just thought it was overly long. I think if I could have just gotten to pee like an hour and a half in and just had a pause for me, I would have been a much happier camper. It's um I you know, I I just could go into all the explanations of like why I could I could bend over backwards like trying to create like reasons why it should be that long. But truth be told, like I just I still watch that movie over and over and over again, and it's three hours long. So, like, I, I just at the end of the day, it's like I just like all three hours of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I just know like when that movie came out, a lot of like business majors where I went to school that was like why they went into business, and I was like, that's what you got from it's that like, movie. <laughs> bad move, bad move. I I remember uh, I was, no, we were driving around in the car, and I, I was with two of our friends who I I, I won't name. 
because I'm not going to be talking in super positive light. Uh, but like they're listening to this song that is like literally called like Jordan Belfort, and like the the like whole song is about the the singer of the song like wanting to be like him. And I'm sort of like sitting in the back, like you guys really like this song, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, well there's three people that have missed the point and it's the rapper and the two people uh, listening to the song with me. <laughs> true. True. I will say though, for me personally, any movie that's over two hours and 20 minutes, I just need like one pee break. And I'm like, I have no issues with the, like, we're going to talk about movies next week where I really mm-hmm. don't have like, like I already, I already watched games of New York and like, it's a really long movie and I never like, and it's probably too long, but at no point was I like, Oh my God, just end because I was able to get up and pee an hour and a half in. Literally, I got, this is so stupid. I got up after an hour and a half. I like peed and I like walked around my like apartment and I was like, okay, I really like this about the movie and this about the movie, but like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I'm like, this is a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I like what's going on right now. And I sat back down and crushed the last hour. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely done that before too. Like, like I said, like uh, when I watched It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, uh, like I like it, we hit the intermission. And I like paused and I went to the bathroom and I cooked, I cooked food and I ate my dinner mm-hmm. and then I came back and I watched it and I had a good, like a good experience all throughout. Cause I didn't feel the need to like, like jam it all into one, like sitting thankfully. <laughs> yeah. But for me, if I'm like pausing a movie and I'm like, Oh no, I'm only this far in the one. The classic for me that happened with was I was watching bad boys and I like paused it and we were like, 35 minutes in and I was like oh my god this movie's got severe pacing issues that <laughs> voice oh too especially that voice too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like being on cocaine it's like just taking cocaine for two and a half straight hours or something like that <laughs> I saw that for sale for like three bucks and I was like this close to buying it I was like I almost need this movie you know what it's like honestly for three bucks I would buy it because it's just so it's just like so much that it's kind of amazing. Do you have any more thoughts on our two movie swaps? I think our movie swaps were uh, were fun. Yeah, I'm happy that uh, I forced us to watch an Oscar movie for my own personal benefit. <laughs> of trying to watch every Oscar movie, and uh, I'm happy I got to see uh, Umbrellas of Cheerboard because it's in 1001 Movies You Can See Before You Die, which is kind of cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we did a really great job here. Like, um. Uh, so on the, on the Criterion channel, it might look a little bit different for you on HBO Max, but they have like this category where it's called like Essential Art House, I think is what it's called. And both of these movies are in there. So I felt like this was a good sort of like thing where it's like we both just kind of scratched off two like blind spots. And I like both movies a lot. So, uh, you know, always, always happy to watch good movies, too. So we're on to next week, the 2003 Oscars, where we will cover uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Pianist, Games of New York, The Hours. Did I say that already? Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't say it already, but you're right. All right, nice. And then the Academy Award winner, Chicago. Yep. Four uh, of which I've where seen. Where are you at on that? I uh, I have not rewatched any yet. I'm. I... Are you going to rewatch all of them? Oh, yeah, I will. I own Games of New York, and I own... Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So those will probably be the first two I'll cross off my list. Um, I've, I've, I think, I think they're all available. Oh, really? Oh, for free. Perfect. Well, maybe not. The hours we just, my, my girlfriend and I just happened to catch on Amazon 
and I think it might be gone off Amazon. Okay. It's uh where where is Chicago streaming? Uh uh Maps. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, Chicago I've seen that movie a lot because that's like a favorite of my mom's. And then hmm. uh, my sister also did like a play, uh, like a community theater play of <laughs> of Chicago. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's about as cool as community theater gets, I guess. I've uh, I've I watched Games of New York last week. I'll probably watch The Pianist tomorrow. I think I think I'll give myself a little Holocaust tomorrow. Kind of in the mood, you know how it is. You know. Uh, Lighten up that Friday with some uh, two and a half hours of the Holocaust. And then I think probably Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday I'll watch Lord of the Rings. And then Monday I'll see if I can fit Chicago because I watched The Hours uh, a few weeks ago. It was all right. It was a good movie. I'm excited. And then so after that, um, we're going to do a little bit of a new format. Um, We're going to be doing a draft. Uh, We'll be... Picking, we'll each be picking our 10. Uh, I'm not going to tell the folks the category yet, but we'll be going back and forth. Uh, I should be getting first pick, and then and then you're getting second pick. Is that what we uh, decided? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? As of 2020, there's 22 films to choose from. Should we just draft all 22? Let's do it. Let's go to 11 then. Because I thought, for some reason in my head, I had it at like 26, 27, and I was like, we don't need all of them. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh, that includes the most recent one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and watch the ones I've missed. There's a few I've missed, but uh, okay. I'm going to try and catch- I see myself re-watching. There's a couple here that I'm like, really, uh, it's been a long time on a couple of yeah, these, yeah. you can probably imagine. And, oh, since I'm picking second, that means I already know what my last pick is. Because I cannot imagine this anyone willingly picks one of these movies. <laughs> there's there's a few I'm interested to see because there's some that I know uh, big stands of, of these movies are, like, fans of that, like, I, I'm not personally a fan of and that I think you're not personally a fan of. So I'm interested to see um, uh, where movies like that go. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got for for the squad. Yeah, that's all I got too. Um, if you want to catch us next week, we'll be doing the 2003 Oscars ceremony for the year 2002 in movies. Um, and that should be a fun podcast. So tune back in next week, everybody. Uh, thanks. Bye.